you, Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Good to be with you. Hope you're well. It's a good Monday, man. Damn good Monday. Still feeling the residual effects, the the basking in the glow, as I phrased it, uh, from hour number one of the win on Saturday. And uh, the fact that Florida State gets that win certainly kind of paints uh, perhaps a different picture of what we see moving ahead uh, with the rest of this season. It's nice to be going into a bye week on a win uh, but it's also nice to be going into a bye week at a time where the team desperately needs it. This is a uh, kind of a beat to hell group that has been able to have to, you know, they've, they've been able to the best they can hodgepodge this thing together. You'd like to believe now you steady yourself for a much more uh, diff- more difficult uh, part of the, the schedule, excluding the UMass game, um, and, and that you get guys right. That's the healthiest Jordan Travis has looked which kind of comes as a surprise given the fact that he was beat up during the week in practice and wasn't a full go. And uh, then he went out there and looked uh, the best he's ever looked. And that was exciting to see, and I'm happy for him. I'm happy for this group because the hard work, the continued hard work in the wake of these losses has started to show and give some traction, as I said, um, to to the talking points, the belief, and the, and, the, and the work put in from the coaches and players. So maybe now you get you get right, you get healthy, and you attack this second half of the schedule, and you continue to grow. Um, that's, you know, when you're zero and four, you ask yourself the question, and I'm sure they did too. Uh, you know, what's to be gained? What can still be accomplished? What's still left on the table? Um, you know, to me, that's uh, the, the the answer is resounding. Now that you've won two games in a row, you've got a team that fights. You got a team that's found its identity, and you got a team that has a chance to build momentum into the second half of a season that helps you in recruiting. That that's the answer. I mean, it, it it was huge for recruiting. I think. Oh, there's no doubt. You know, on, on so many levels, because there was one. Corey said this in the post game show where you could see now what the offense is meant to look like, and and how, this offense is multiple. So it's not like there's only one way to run it and one way only. We've got to recruit those types of players. There's multiple ways to do it, but you can kind of see now the last couple of weeks how they want to set things up, go back to them, and if we can see it, then what do you think recruits see? They see themselves in those positions, and frankly, they think, well, I'm a better player than that dude, so if I'm in that position, I'm going to be able to make this many amount of plays more than that guy does. That's what you want. You want recruits to come in that feel like I'm going to be an improvement over the last guy, and I can see where I am going to be used. That's that's the key message that you can send through the play. It's not through text messages or email, but through the film and the play that these players can see. We haven't been able to do that for so long, and I'm not saying it's all solved, but that was a huge day. That was a day we had to have in order to make sure that guys felt good about what they're committing to and signing to, hopefully, in December. I wondered if they'd get the moment. You know, that you're right. They needed a moment like this where they they outshine what's projected, where they're able to show that uh, the things that they're teaching, the things that they're communicating, um, you know, I, to me that is a lot of fun to see rewarded. And so I do believe um, that that win represents more than a singular thing in the win column. It, it, it's something that can resonate. Now, again, you've got a lot of games still to play, and those games will play out in a certain manner that will affect uh, those kids and, and, and all of us. Uh, but I do think that there is a telltale sign now uh, that they have an identity and that they have a belief and that that hard work paid off. So therefore, you could kind of you know, bet that they're going to continue to work that way because they were justly rewarded. Oh, yeah, you could push them even harder now as a coach in that situation. It's green light, you know, and, and I think, 
listen, the, the video wasn't supposed to leak out, I, I don't think, the live Instagram mm-hmm. thing, and, and maybe that's something that needs to be addressed. But the moment was perfect, and we all got to consume it, so I'm going to discuss it briefly. When Mike Norvell has the team's attention, and he says, we're going to work through this bye week, and the team is saying, yes, sir, and that's because that's what we do, yes. But your ass ain't working <laughs> until, until Tuesday. Tuesday yeah. That is a perfect moment right there where you can see the balance between the diligence necessary and then also the moment of reward. You One has to go yeah, with the other in order to have players to come does. along for the ride. Well, and this is akin to the stuff we talk about with hardcore coaches. You can be that way. You can be absolutely ruthless in your demands, the expectations, the bar, everything, the standard you hold players to. And they'll be disciplined and they'll work hard if they believe you are a genuine uh, and you do have their best interest in mind. You care for them. They'll deal with all of it. And last night, Ira and I were talking about it on the Sunday Night Smash, and he brought up Mickey Andrews. Mickey Andrews would say hateful things to players. But they knew that that wasn't born out of hate. It was a motivational ploy because he really wanted to win and he had high expectations for who those guys are and what they could become. And so, you know, you, you'll, you'll put up with a lot when you think what's on the other end of that is a guy who loves me, who cares deeply that I become the very best I can be, and who has uh, something of a system either that I believe in or he's the genuine article or both, right? And I think... Again, we talk about what the win means in the big scheme of things. It's just their second win on the season. It's going to be a season that, by FSU standards, is not one we're going to want to really remember all that much. But it is something that shows real growth. Uh, It is something that shows real buy-in and a stick-to-itiveness that we were worried about as the losses mounted. Yeah, it's 31-7 to Louisville. You know, it's the response to that, the follow-up. And, I mean, they created problems out of nothing against Syracuse. They had that game of uh, the team, the players by did, the yeah. horns, you know, multiple times, nine to nothing. Next thing you know, their quarterback's going to run fifty yards untouched. Uh, okay, mm-hmm. next drive they go down the field again. Syracuse does. You're like, really? So you're going to find these problems out of nothing. Thirty to twenty. You work all the way back. You correct those things, and then you muff the punt. Okay, all right. So this is what we're going to do. But they found a way to not completely collapse. And and Syracuse at that time had multiple wins. We had none. And we found a way to win that football game. That's huge. I know that Jordan Travis invented his own ways to get into field goal range. Maybe one with a little bit of the help of a, of a hold. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's the moment for him, too. Maybe we should have seen this effort, this comfortable effort against North Carolina come because Jordan was able to get through a full game against Syracuse, and he was the reason that we were in position to kick and win that game. But you've seen since 31-7 to Louisville – Mental toughness, sometimes a mental weakness, but more mental toughness than weakness to overcome the problems that we've generated. You know, early in the Syracuse game, and we commented this on this on Monday after they won, he lowered his shoulder along the sidelines, was willing to deliver a blow. Mm-hmm. We were kind of surprised to see it. Um, you know, as fragile as he's been, it was never a question of toughness. It's just his body betrays him. Uh I thought, well, by all means, young man, go ahead and get out of bounds without taking that shot because I know that mentally you want to deliver that blow because you're a competitor, Uh, but your body has betrayed you in these moments. That's now two games in a row where his body did what his brain told him to do and did so with conviction, and he came out none the worse for wear. We can all hope. We can all hope he's turned the corner in that regard, too. Well, and this is the thing, too. You know, Iris talked about this, and I know he's coming up in, in 20 minutes or so. Uh, but 
he said over the years that, all right, we can devise all these things, and this goes back to the X's and O's, Jimmy's and Joe's point, but sometimes guys just need to go make plays. Mm. And if you look at Saturday's game, how many key plays were made, 80% of them were us taking it, taking the oh, opportunity to make question. a play. Without the Jerion Jones interception is a massive play in this football game, and it's one that we never make until Saturday when we did. The Keyshawn Helton catch on third and 12, that's a play made, not only by Keyshawn Helton, but by the offensive line to give Jordan Travis all day, oh, Jordan yeah. Travis to break the pocket, keep the play alive, and then the receiver to stay involved in the play. There are many more. The eight-yard game that I talked about with Jayshon Corbin on third and eight, that's a play made. The offensive line has to pave the way to make that possible. They didn't hang their heads when it was a run call on third and eight. They said, this is what we do. Yeah. They believed in it. North Carolina, think about the drops. The missed opportunities, the turnover. I mean, oh, that's a 50-50 ball, but we went and took that from them. Josh Downs had a drop or two. Another receiver had a drop or two. And a couple of those might have been house calls and or 30 or 40-yard gains. How many times are we looking at the plays that we don't make and seeing another team do it? The hat was on our head as the playmaking group this weekend. DLT gets hurt, comes out of this game. Good job, Bavion Johnson. Played well once inserted. They finally had a stronger, healthier-looking core of offensive linemen that they thought they'd have before the season began to go along with Williams. I, I think that's the best Maurice Smith has looked since he's come back. Um, and then I think Robert Scott is slowly getting healthier and healthier. He's still not all the way back, but he looked healthier as well. And Babion this year really deserves a pat on the back. He's not a great player. He's never going to be a great player. But he has worked his ass off, and when given opportunities, he's kind of a jack-of-all-trades. They put him everywhere they have to, and in a given moment, he's held up. He's held up. He actually, I think, was a bit of an upgrade in this game once DLT went down because he's been playing hurt, man. DLT has not been right. I've said that all year long. He's, he's the smartest lineman we have, but he's physically just broken down time and again and not been healthy. Babylon's healthy. So he got out there, and he, he was hitting folks. So I, I guess I say that to say this. To, to your point and to what we said to start the show, Florida State was the better team in this game. They whipped North Carolina physically. They outcoached North Carolina from the scheme standpoint. But the other thing to note is that that group, I thought, created real surge up the gut. Yeah. They yeah. they they bullied North Carolina a little bit at during stretches of this game. Yeah, they did. I, I think at times when when they weren't, Jordan made the right read in a lot of those moments, to get us out of a negative and into a positive. And I'm talking after the snap. And that's where if you run the zone read, I'm not talking about the RPO. I'm talking mm -hmm. about the read option. Yeah, it's read either option, yeah. running back or quarterback keeps. Mm -hmm. If you've got somebody who can coherently think through the moment, the game slows down for them, it really plays into the hands of a group that doesn't have a good offensive line because part of that scheme is to not block somebody intentionally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a read, yeah. So when it happens that somebody else might not be blocked, you're, you're still in, in, yeah. in the habit of, yeah. all right, do I keep or do I, you know, do I give the ball in this situation? And he made so many clutch plays that by themselves, those decisions took us out of second and 12 or second and 13. That's where I was unbelievable. I'd never seen that. I, not in the Garnet and Gold. There are other kids around the country who can run the zone read. We've never been able to run the zone. And, and if that continues, the things that we can run off of that, Oh, dude, there are going to be a lot of shots open down the field. You don't need to have great receivers because they got to come up and try and stop that. When he kept on the long run for the touchdown and got outside the tackle and and did the, and made himself skinny, made himself small 
um, in the moment, I cracked up. I, it reminded me of the long touchdown run he had against him before. Uh, it wasn't as long as that one, but it was long. Uh, we've seen him do that, man. When he gets defenders, if they don't, if they don't vice or whatever, they don't come down and clamp him, and he cuts through that, he's gone. I mean, he he is electrifying to watch run the football when he's healthy. And finally, two weeks in a row, he's looked healthy. He's let it loose. He's let it fly. What a great weekend of college football. Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply Uh, man, I, they're going to do this, I think, but, uh, they're going to have to, to rework that rule. Um, it's the first time that anybody's ever seen what happened in Boston last night happen. There have been other instances in the last five to six years that have trickled out, like, you know, routine plays that somebody ends up, it bounces off of their shin and it goes into the side, you know, because the, yeah, the outfield the fence, usually doesn't yeah. happen out there. That's just a really strange set up in Boston of course it happened once in Philly in, in center field where it went off the wall and, and the outfielder ended up kicking it into there because he's just running after the foot uh, after the baseball and, and hits his foot but man are you kidding me you've got basically a runner on third when that thing comes off the wall that's a toughie yeah and it's not the ump's fault and it's not Boston's fault they benefited greatly in a way uh that is hard to imagine in a moment so vital uh but it is baseball's fault. I mean, you do have to go back and look at these rules and decide. You know, John Smoltz hit on something here. He's like, well, why would you ever catch it if you know you're about to give up the lead run? Just throw it in there. Oh, couldn't get it. Couldn't make the play. I just threw it in there. Looks like you got to go back to third. Or I'll kick it in there myself. I mean, if you knew it, if you were heady enough yeah, to right, know it, right. you yeah. know, why would you ever like pick that up cleanly? No, I'd rather just push it back into the bullpen. Yeah, what's interesting is about that rule, and again, this is a, a fly ball that bounces off of the wall in right field. It's hit by Kiermeyer and uh, goes off the Red Sox player back over the wall and out of play. So it's not a traditional ground rule double that hits like the warning track and bounces over. In that instance, oddly enough, the ground rule double, the classic case, mm-hmm. the umpire has discretion. But I don't know that the umpire has, has discretion in this particular case of the rule. He doesn't. They actually talked about this. So... Yandy Diaz is going to score easily, as you're noting. He's going to walk in, okay? Um, that, but the rule, the, the play is called correctly. I went and looked it up right afterwards. Um, so Hunter Renfro doesn't make the play. It goes right, off of his right. hip. And he's clearly trying to make the play. Oh, yeah, yeah there's yeah, no nefariousness yeah, no, there. Yeah. And yeah. he's actually a, a really good – That was a rocket shot to yeah. right center. Oh, yeah, especially for the fact that it came off of uh, Kiermaier's Kier bat. was yep. stunning since he's not a good hitter. Um, but, okay, so look. 
I, I bickered a little bit with a couple Boston folks on Twitter, and then I realized this is not, we're not going to be able to have this argument because, no, I can't know that the Rays were going to go on and win the game afterwards. They would have had a 5-4 lead. I can't know right, right. that they were going to go win the game. I do know that they would have gone to another pitcher, and I do know that there's added pressure suddenly on Boston that didn't exist in a tie ball game to start the next inning. And, I, you know, so, and again, that, you, you can't know. They end up get the, they get the two-run walk-off. They win it. Six to four, and now the Rays are up against it. Uh, that said, uh, I'm looking at that rule, and they've written several stories on this. Uh, the ball was not in flight; it had hit the front part of the wall, which Crew Chief Sam Holbrook said is basically an extension of the playing field. Holbrook explained to reporters that the rule offers the umpires no discretion whatsoever as to where to place the runners. Yeah, it says two bases from where the you know when mm-hmm. the pitch leaves the hand or whatever it yeah, is prior yeah. to the pitch. Yeah. So it's where were you when the uh, when the pitch was being delivered? Yeah. What base were you on? And that's the one you got to add to from there. And you saw it too. Kiermaier is just looking to the heavens, like he knows. Are you is, kidding me? You're yeah. robbing me of this moment. This is yeah. an amazing <laughs> moment in my life, and yeah. you're going to take it away. Yeah. And for our obviously for the team too, but you could see it. He's like, "Come on, man, it's me. Yeah. This is a big moment for me." And and the ump says, "I don't know if it was Holbrook or not who was interacting with him or a different base umpire, but he goes, "That's the rule." And you could read his lips. He goes, "I'm sorry, that's the rule." Well, and and you had Red Sox players say afterwards they've never seen anything like it. Uh, yeah. Kiki Hernandez said that. He said, uh, I, "I was speechless. I didn't. I've never seen that before. Uh, I wasn't sure." What was going to be called? I wasn't sure if the runners had to return. I wasn't sure if it was going to be like an errant throw where you get two bags. I had no idea. We were just as interested as everybody else wondering what the umpires would do because we've never seen it happen before. Yeah. 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 No, no, it's, it's weird. Uh, you got a sense it was building to that moment that they were going to get screwed and it was going to be the right call. So it's a weird kind of screwing and that nobody did anything wrong. It's just a dumb rule. Yeah. It was the letter of the law to the rule. You got to enforce it. That's your, your, you can't go rogue there, unfortunately, if, even if you want to as the umpire. The rule should just be add two bases from wherever the runner they was. was. Well, and now that you have replay, this yeah. is in 1857. Right, we can right. look at it in the replay and say, where was he? Oh, he's about to touch home plate. This is not even close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, just that's why you have replay. Go back and look at it as best you can decipher where he was when that when that happens. And it's an easy call at that point. You're not making – I mean, they talk about umpires' jobs being difficult, and occasionally they can be, especially with different rules for each ballpark. But, I mean, that just – Go to New York. Uh, yeah, man, he scores. <laughs> this this is not debatable. This is easy. Nobody would have been. I mean, I think Boston would have been like, yeah, okay. Yeah, just call, call it uh, Rule Seven Fifty Five. You know, or Rule Seven Fifteen for uh, for Hank. Rule Seven Fifteen. We can do whatever the hell we want. Rule Seven Fifteen says he scores. I don't care what the other parts of the rule, but we are overruling. Yeah, <laughs> Rule Seven Fifteen is for common sense. Yeah, the common sense says that guy scores. Well, anyhow, that that didn't happen, and and obviously they give up the two run homer afterwards, and now they're up against it, and so it's going to be very very interesting. Uh, side note: our hunch last year has carried over to this year, and everybody sees it the same way now. It's kind of cool anytime you can look onto a field and you've seen a young quarterback come into the league and you realize this soon that they are going to be, barring injury, knock on wood, a Hall of Famer. Justin Herbert's going to be a Hall of Famer. That Watching that dude, the NFL games were also spectacular yesterday, and it was a lot of fun to take that in. Um, but I would tell you that watching that guy, we, we got to get into the NFL, we'll do it here in just a second, but... 
I, I, I am addicted to watching him play football. Oh, it's great, man. He's a freak. Yeah, and, and Cleveland put up absurd well, point totals and everything such. about the way the two coaches handled that situation at the end of the game tells you about what they think of their quarterbacks. Jeff Cameron, ninety three three Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Let's bring in the man, Irashvel Warchant.com joins us as he's wont to do on a Monday. Man, I'm I, I could get used to this, Ira. These constant conversations after victories. <laughs> I mean, this, this is fun, right? It's uh, you got to think that uh, Mike Norvell and his staff enjoy the Monday press conferences a little bit better than they did uh, a few weeks ago. Yeah, they might not even wake up loathing to go speak to the media. In fact, they may say, "Let's speed this up. Let's get them in here early. Let's talk." Yeah, hey, they got kids believing, they got kids fighting, they got kids playing well, playing better than they were earlier in the year. They are a little bit beat up. There's uh, up and down with all this stuff, but the the bye week couldn't come at a better time, right? Two two straight wins. You've got momentum. You also need this break. I think definitely um, in a lot of places, but I think particularly in the offensive line because you know that group really had some bad luck earlier in the season where basically everybody other than maybe Darius Washington has been battling some sort of injuries, and they've gutted it out these last two weeks, and they've been able to kind of get some continuity. But getting a week to kind of take things lighter, my guess is they won't practice in full pads much at all this week, um, and then next week start preparing for UMass. So, yeah. I think it comes at a great time for a lot of positions, but particularly the offensive line. Talk about uh, really quickly what the coaches had to say today. For those that have not heard uh, the pressers, uh, what was your overall takeaway? What was the uh, uh, basking in the glow of success? What they have to say? You know, I think the, a couple of the bigger moments or bigger topics to me were, uh, you know, Mike Norvell talking about the difference between last year's North Carolina game and this year's. Mm. You know, a year ago, they upset North Carolina when they were top five in the country. And, uh, you know, as, as nice as that was, then they turned back around and got blown out by Louisville and Pitt and, and everybody else they played over the next month. And, uh, you know, so, you know, he he basically said he thought that this was a more complete victory, a more real victory, um, because it wasn't just some freak plays. You know, he didn't have pick sixes and, uh, you know, special teams plays and things like that. It was basically, Florida State was the the better football team for 60 minutes. And, and that says a lot more and should be something they can carry over. Uh, the other thing I thought was really interesting was just listening to him and Kenny Dillingham, the offensive coordinator, talk about how much, you know, as well as Jordan Travis played, and they thought he played really well, how much better they think he can play. Mm. And, uh, you know, you just could sense how excited they are about the potential of Jordan Travis can stay healthy and uh, the strides he's making. You, know, you, you kind of forget that I think that was his eighth start. Uh, you know, it feels like he's been playing for a long time, but he really hasn't, and they feel like the upside is still tremendous with him. And he came out of this feeling healthy? Yeah, it sounds like he did, and they were real happy about some of the decisions he made. I heard you talking last segment about him, you know, running with some authority and putting his shoulder down in the uh, Syracuse game. game. But they felt like he did a much better job in this game of, of getting down, getting what he could get, but then getting down and uh, avoiding some big hits. Yeah, that was the most comfortable he's ever looked to. They they really have found an identity now, and and I think that's exciting. And I know that uh, it makes things so much easier to game plan when you have a guy that you can trust is going to be there during the week, and 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 you have an identity that you're playing too. Uh, obviously, they were really good too for long stretches at a time on the defensive side of the ball. I assess that a little bit because we saw a secondary make plays on the football, uh, which has not been the case for several years here. Obviously, this defensive line's been good, but they they've been thinned a little bit, and yet they held up as well. 
Yeah, you know, he did talk to Adam Fuller, and, and, you know, and that was kind of, I think, his biggest, um, you know, what he felt good about was guys were, you know, in positions and made plays and, you know, what that could do for them individually going forward. You know, a guy like Jarian Jones or, um, you know, some of the some of the other defensive players who, who you know, have been in position but maybe haven't come through with the play to actually have that happen, um, you know, that's got to lead to more confidence going forward. And, you know, that's a, I mean, it's a huge deal. I mean, confidence is important in every sport, in every position, but, but certainly, uh, especially in the defensive backfield where so many of those passes, it's you or me. And those guys, now that they've won a couple of those battles, it should help them going forward. Bit of bad news real quick. Uh, Brian Robinson uh, has put his name in the portal. Uh, Ira, I think there's probably uh, frustration uh, for both sides of this equation. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, you look at him physically, you thought he could be a real uh, contributor to this team down the line, four-star prospect. Uh, but he's also never really been consistently out on the field. Uh, he's hurt frequently uh so your thoughts i guess your personal thoughts on on brian robertson entering his name into the in, into the portal yeah it's a really weird one you know he he was a guy that was committed to to miami when rod dugans was there and then when when dugans when coach dugans returned to florida state and then he ended up coming to florida state you felt like okay well this is a, a situation where you know they're so close and you know it's gonna be a great relationship and this is a guy obviously very talented you know one of the top you top know, 250 yeah yeah the country but it just never materialized. And then you started hearing that he wasn't, he wasn't really happy. And, um, you know, as you said, he was often injured. And uh, so it's not totally surprising. He only played in one game this year and it was on special teams. Um, sometimes, man, it just doesn't work out. And uh, I don't know if there's anybody to blame in this, um, but maybe he'll find a new home and, and have an opportunity to play somewhere else. But he just he, it was really having a tough time, even when he was healthy, breaking through here. We're going to have fun on headlines tomorrow, brother, talking about another win and all the uh, kind of weird things we have to do if they keep winning, uh, at least advised by the listeners as they pose uh, more and more dangerous ventures for us with each passing victory. Uh, be well, good sir. Talk to you later. Sounds good, man. Take care. All right, bye. IrishFellWarchant.com. Always fun to talk to him. It's really fun to talk to him after back-to-back -back wins. That's a good thing. I wonder how the tequila shot sat with him from last night's episode of the Sunday Smash. If you haven't seen that, uh, you, sir, crossed from the glass. Jeff mm -hmm. did and Ira did. They both enjoyed uh, a tequila toast. Yeah, we had been told, uh, we, it had been recommended that we do a tequila shot if we got... Well, there have been lots of things recommended, including me streaking down Tennessee Street. I'm not, I'm not really desirous to go to jail. I don't want to do that. Uh, I don't know that that I needed to do that. I've got a question the suggester. It's I've also a, not that big a win. I've got a question the suggester. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, I mean, what are you on in that moment, yeah. man? I mean, stop with the whippets. Yeah, no, we don't. But, uh, you know, hey, listen, for the right kind of win, maybe I'd sacrifice to that extent, but it's just a regular season win over North Carolina for win number two. And while it's important to the rebuild, it's not that kind of win that we need to go streaking down Tennessee Street. Uh, and then, so then somebody suggested we do cake stands. And while I, Ira and I were in agreement, we, we would do them. We'd, we'd be happy to do I haven't done one in, I did one on my 21st birthday. That's the last one you've done? You never happened by a tailgate and did a keg stand in I don't think I have. 30 years? No, I don't think I have. Not no. in 30 years? No, I don't, I don't think I have. I, I, I really don't remember if I did. I mean... Well, yeah, that... Well, no, no, I mean... I want to say at one point there was the thought of doing one Jimbo's first year, the spring game. Tom Block was interviewing me outside the stadium. He, I, I don't know 
why, but he was. And I was answering his questions, and there were some people doing keg stands and the not-too-distant uh, that could have been not me. far off in the distance. It could have been you, and uh, and I don't remember. I I thought about going over there, but I I don't think I did them. I don't think I did. It might have been my friends because his first spring game was it was a big deal. I, I covered that game, but I was still very much yeah. in, in a group of friends who would be doing, doing keg, keg stands. stands. Yeah. yeah, it was in my early twenties. No man, I don't think I've done one in thirty years. Well, we've got to change that. <laughs> I'm indifferent. Florida about State hadn't one. been 0-4 in <laughs> yeah, 50 years, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. times, you know. Okay. Th- so the third thing that was settled on was we said if they beat North Carolina that we would happily do. I mean, Ira and I are in two separate places at the time that we do the Sunday Night Smash. I'm at my house. He's at his house. It would have been impossible to do a keg stand. Uh, at least our, our wives could have held us up, but that yeah. gets a little well, dicey. Price is strong enough. Yeah, it would have been a little weird to order a keg to the house to do a keg stand yeah, for the right. show. Right, and what do you do with the rest of it? Yeah, right. So I ended up saying, yeah, tequila shots are fine. So I did my tequila shot. I've, I'm no stranger to tequila shots. I don't make it a habit these days, but uh, I've had my fair share of tequila shots. Ira clearly has not. Uh, when it hit him, and uh, I think I, I think it hurt him a little bit. He got he got popped with a straight left. Yeah, yeah, from the uh, Don Julio. <laughs> I believe you guys did agree to doing tequila shots for every subsequent win this season, though. Is that correct? We, yeah, I think we said we would. Yeah. Okay. So Sunday after UMass, mm-hmm. he's gonna get his Don Julio on. Yeah, and I I'll do the same. Yeah. Um. And by the way, uh, you and I were committed at some point. I don't. We haven't done it, but. Aren't we committed to some sort of uh, venture together to uh, once again engage in the uh, the the Margarita Corona, the the Margarona? The margarona? margarona. What? I don't remember this. I just think we were dedicated to doing that once again at some point. Oh yeah. Well, we've got a few things that we got to check off the list. The Margarona is mm-hmm. one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but having a Guinness with your dad before the NC State game that has to be done. We we're going to be into November without having had a a season Guinness. That'd be two straight years. Yeah, that's not what we do. That's there. not what we do. We got to clean that up. Not what we do. No. I also think after the season's over, because Ira, uh, unless he <laughs> he develops an affinity for the Don Julio he that d- did not exist yesterday, after the season's over, maybe at the bowling tournament, which we've got to work on by week. This is a good time to take a look at those particulars. But maybe we can have a silent auction. I don't know if that's legal, but we could have a silent auction for it, the Ira Victory Don Julio. And then one lucky bowler or listener or war champ could, yes. could hey, you get Ira's victory, Don, Don Julio. Julio. I mean, that's I a pretty like cool it. item. That is a really to cool item. off for charity. That's fun. I like it. Hey, so I mentioned the Bills game, and I mentioned the Chargers game, and I mentioned some NFL games, and I forgot we had Ira coming, so that was my fault. So I want to get back into this in a second, but I, do, I will tell you this. Here's a stat for you before we go to break. The Bills did not blitz Patrick Mahomes one time um, in that game. Uh, last night. Yeah, not, we put the game plan out there. Now, it'll keep them, if they run it at peak efficiency, still in the upper 20s, low 30s. You know, you need turnover luck to help. But we, we did put the, the game plan out there for the world to see in the Super Bowl. That is crazy, by the way. I mean, that, not one single blitz. And then there are some shocking and really cool numbers in regards to fourth down uh, math yep. that San Diego, or excuse me, the Los Angeles Chargers use. Also, um, Brandon Staley is not having it. To go back to Buffalo's game plan real quick, over 90% of the snaps had two high safeties as well. When you don't bring the extra pressure, that means you can leave the extra safety mm-hmm, over the top, mm-hmm. which helps against the Tyree kill factor. Yeah, the big play. Absolutely. Keep it in front of you. Uh, yeah, man, it's it's uh, the, 
the Buffalo Bills right now look to be, at this point of the season, the best team in football. A lot of football to be played. But right now, they are that, showing out. In a weird way. Well, not in a weird way. I'm sure the Buffalo Tom guy will be very happy about this comment. That was the, the most wrong line of the weekend. When it was released, it was. We both I think it took was, the Bills. We both jumped on it. Yeah, yeah, I think it opened at KC minus three, and it moved quickly to two and a half. That yeah. felt so wrong the whole way. That's living in the past. Yeah, I picked the Bills straight up to win the game um, in my bet with my mom. Right? Uh, I, think I think I did. So, yeah. I think I did. Uh, Got to double check. You guys have one different. I forget which one it was. I thought it was that one. Could have been. I may be wrong on that, but it, it, I'll have to go back and double check. I did. I did in our our other pool. Yeah, I definitely took well, Buffalo. And and the thing is, that, like Kansas City can repair yeah, some right. of these I did things. Take Buffalo, yeah. Kansas City can repair some of these things and and be right back to full form by December. And we're all laughing at the at the conversation in October. But when you're talking about a one week line, that bad boy was wrong by at least a touchdown. You could uh, feel it. I got a bit of a bold prediction here for you, friend. I don't think they're repairing anything in Kansas City. That defense is not going to get appreciably better. I think you can change personnel. I mean, dramatically change personnel. Well, Stefan Gilmer's not coming through that no, <laughs> office door. No, he's not. And he foolishly chose to go to Carolina. Mm. Sir, do you have no desire to win football games? Yeah, should have picked a different team in that yeah, division. That's true. That's crazy. Uh, it's weird. Jeff Cabbage at 93.3 Real Talk Radio War Chant TV. <laughs> Talking about. Brandon Staley, who is uh, a bright young coach and um, is a guy that, uh, boy, what a breath of, air, uh, breath of fresh air for the Chargers. They're used to losing games like the one they won yesterday, and they've won a lot of close games so far, and they're making all the big plays. Now, it certainly helps to have uh, the best of the young quarterbacks on your side, but if you go back and think of the mismanagement of Chargers games over the last decade, Norv Turner, Mike McCoy, Anthony Lynn, I mean, damn it, man. They always blew those situations late in games, and now um, those inexplicable, you know, infuriating failures are becoming wins. And I got to give credit where credit's due here. This is a story written by Bill Barnwell, um, ESPN Insider with Stats and Info, uh, and they talk, they took a good look at what he's done on fourth down. Uh, so his offense faced in the second half uh, fourth down. Um, and they had a 14-point comeback, uh, and they used this play finder tool from Pro Football Reference to find out how often coaches went for it in similar situations, Tom, over the last dec- decade in order to contextualize how aggressive Staley is with this offense. Now, again, it's easier to be aggressive when you've got a six foot five, 250-pound monster who makes really good decisions at quarterback, right? But it's still a big deal. Fourth and two on their own 24-yard line with 10.30 to play in the third quarter, down 27 to 13. So I'll ask you, if you and I are watching a game and it's fourth and two on your own 24, down two touchdowns with 10.30 to play in the third quarter, are you going to be like, whoa, what are we doing here if we if we trot the offense back out there? Um, I did when Mike did the same thing against Notre Dame in week one. So, right. it, you know, I think the only way I'd say this is the right move is if it's a short two. Not all twos are the same. <laughs> yeah. Know? I've seen a couple in the last week where it says fourth and one. I'm like, that's a full two yards. That's not yeah, – yeah, these yeah. are big differences. And the second factor that would cause me to say good call is – how can the defense? Yeah, yeah, you can't yeah. Get a stop. If the defense yeah. is just destroyed. Then all right. So they they ran a power play. They just lined up and ran mm-hmm. a power play to Eckler 
and he got nine yards and said, suck it. Which, <laughs> and there you go. I mean, that is... He's saying a lot of that lately. The last two weeks, he's, he's been he's good unbelievable. But their other back is actually an even bigger bruiser. No, His he, name is Gaves, but that dude runs hard. They've got two guys that run really, really hard. Fourth and seven on Cleveland's 22 with 7.45 to play in the third quarter, also trailing uh, 27 to 13. All right, so by the way, the, 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 the tool that he used, the play finder tool, fourth and two from the 24-yard line, dating back for more than a decade, uh, coaches 100% of the time punted. So he, he broke that trend. That was okay. the end of that. Uh, fourth and seven on Cleveland's 22 with 745 to play in the third quarter, trailing 27 to 13. Uh, the answer was 94% kicked a field goal. Not him. He's not having that. He said, nope, not no, going to do Matt LaFleur is in that 94%. He, uh, he threw a 12-yard completion to Keenan Allen that extended the drive. Fourth and four on the 41-yard line, nine, uh, nine minutes, 10 seconds left in the fourth quarter, trailing 35-28. to 28. So they're on their own 41, fourth and four, down just seven, nine minutes to play. Would you have wanted to punt there? Because I think I would have. Uh, maybe. Let me return to that Keenan Allen play real quick. He had just dropped the previous pass. Uh, I had that game on. Yeah, it's great. They went right back to him. Everything about that call is yeah. arrogance and confidence oh, in all the right ways. Yeah, your coach has it, and so does your quarterback. They're but, they're fun team to watch. If you're Keenan Allen, what do you think in that moment? You I think, love this man. I, exactly yeah. right. You love both of them, the coach and the quarterback. He's going right back to me. They're devising a play for me. I just made a poor play, one that I don't ever make, but they believe. That's huge. Yeah. No, it's nuts. Uh, here, he scrambled out of the pocket. Uh, launched a low percentage pass to Mike Williams down the sideline. Um, got a pass interference call. Kept the drive alive. Uh, pretty well, nuts. Mike Williams was always a beast. It was just a matter of was he going to find the right landing spot, and he's found it. He about killed me yesterday in fantasy. Thank goodness I was able to overcome it with superior players. I had him. For, well, so did Joey St. Germain, Dr. Joseph St. Germain, and mm. uh, he almost single-handedly won him the game. I had Eckler and Williams. It was a good Woo, day. What a day. It was a good day. Uh, fourth and eight on Cleveland's 24-yard line, 748 to play, trailing 35-28. Most people kicked a field goal there. Um, they didn't. Uh, they went for it again. And, uh, I mean, time and again, They've gotten this right, not just because they've gotten the conversion, uh, but, I mean, you're putting your faith in what is emerging now as probably, what do you think, inside of two years he'll be the best quarterback in football? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's on the short list right now. He's already on the short list. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying, how quickly are you going to say he passes Patrick Mahomes? Oh, well, man – I mean, that's a special kind of dude. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think you, you might just have to talk about them as co. And and if you've got it as, you know, they happen to be in the same division, which, ha-ha, the Bucks have played in a division with MVPs mm-hmm. for years and mm-hmm. Hall of Famers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's within two years. Yeah. Yeah, for sure it is. But Mahomes, he hasn't gotten worse. That team is more flawed. Oh, I don't think yeah. Mahomes has gotten any worse at all. No, and, and, and they're pointing out that the Chargers need to find themselves a much more reliable kicker. They've missed four of 14 extra points. Uh, you know, is he making these decisions uh, if he's got a kicker he believes in? If Justin Tucker's his kicker. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah what, what are we doing here? All right, let's, uh, let's kick over here to probables. we got to wrap it up. Game's under, underway. we got another one tonight, which I can't wait for. All right, fire it up. It's time for, how you say, with the pitching, uh, probables? Pitch. 
North Florida Payroll Services, locally owned for nearly 15 years, offering payroll and HR services, including full online applicant onboarding and integration into payroll. Save your company money and headaches today. Head to NorthFordaPayroll.com. Side note real quick before you get full on into baseball. I just feel so bad for the fans of San Diego. Like, really? You're going to get jobbed by a bad owner out of having the Chargers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you get Herbert in time for them to go to L.A., and so that move's going to work for all involved except you, and you were right and they were wrong. And you get screwed. And you get screwed. Doubly. That's bad, man. The wrath is brutal. Brewers-Braves are tied at nothing in the fifth, unless somebody just scored. Freddie Peralta started that game for Milwaukee, and Anderson starting for the Braves. Rays, Red Sox, here you go. Fenway with the season on the line. Two guys that did not meet with success in their last outing, Colin McHugh and Eduardo Rodriguez. And Johnny Holstaff behind them. For everybody. Tonight, 9.30, if you don't like the Monday Night Football matchup, and I don't, Giants-Dodgers, here we go. Alex Wood, who has been lit up by the Dodgers in his career. I don't know that I'd make this decision, San Fran, but all right. A lot of advanced numbers show that the Dodgers pound Alex Wood. Ooh. I was going to say something else, but uh, jeez. Yeah. Dodgers will throw Max Scherzer. Astro, yeah. Advantage LA. (laughs) Un poquito. Yeah, it's a toughie. Uh, Astros, White Sox got postponed, or we would add even more baseball on tonight. Tomorrow, it, when they make it up, it'll be Jose Urquidy and uh, Carlos Rodon. That was a big, cool comeback win for the White Sox. It was good, good to see. More baseball, not less baseball, everybody. Out to San Francisco. I have a couple of friends who live out there, and one of them was sitting on the first baseline for the Buster Posey Oppo Taco home run little, in game one. little 3-0 pitch, yeah. uh, and Buster says, I'll sit dead red, ship it down. Yeah, that was nice. I feel like that's a lyric for the, this song when it has lyrics. What, Ship It Out? Yeah, with this this band yeah. right here. Ship It Out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just yeah. work you in. Yeah, I see it. And that is a look at those that shall reside on the bump. Uh, Joshua Kelly is the running back. Um, yeah, man, he runs hard. Yeah, Justin Jackson is normally the number two, but he didn't play due to injury, says Beast Mode 863 who's a Chargers fan who has had to go through all this. Yeah, he is a San Diego guy. He loved the Chargers, and he got screwed. So if I was a San Diego person who hated the franchise for moving, I, I think I'd still be a fan right now. I think, you know what? Those uniforms still look familiar to me, and that quarterback looks like something like I haven't seen in a long time. I, I probably would just rally around quietly. The team that moved, because that's going to be a winner. Yeah, I think you got no choice. Those uniforms are the best, too. Mm, Those uniforms are. are so good. Next year, when we break out the creamsicles, Ooh. that'll be a moment. Ooh, Creamsicles against the Charger oh, wouldn't, Blue? Wouldn't you love it? I mean, could Because this weekend was great. Yeah. This weekend, you yeah. had the Dolphins. I wish the Dolphins would wore the throwbacks. They didn't. They should have worn their throwbacks, which they frequently wear. Yeah, they wore the previous week. Yeah. You need to wear those at all. First of all, those should just be the permanent uniforms. Don't do the modern nonsense. Although, it's not terrible. The modern's not bad at all. It's not bad, but the, but the old one is so sweet. Next year, when Bucks Dolphins play, they have to be creamsicle and then old, old school. That would be really nice. I'm, I'm just thinking about the matchup in December on the 12th. 
the Bills, Bills come to town. Yeah, a lot changes between now and December. So, I mean, I just caution everybody. Like, we look great right now. Buffalo looks awesome right now. A lot of games, man. A lot of games and a lot of uh, health that you have to hope to keep in place because the Bucks are winning sure. right now in spite of not being healthy. That's right. That defense should be fine by December 12th. They're going to be put to the test, though. But you think about it. Josh Allen breaks the pocket. Here comes Devin White. Woo! They're on a collision course. Oh, buddy. Here we go. Let's get it on. That's a moment. Got to have the yard. Are you going to get the yard? That's a big man, but yep. that is another big man coming for you. That I know is, who's moving faster. Yeah. That's Devin White. Yeah, that is. Well, it depends on when he realizes he's making the move. Mm-hmm. How quickly do I realize you're going for it? And I, I got to beat you to a spot. You got to beat me to a spot. It's like that movie moment in the movie where everybody looks at each other. It's like, whoop, 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 oh, go. Here it comes. Here it is. Racing to that spot. Good work out of you, Tom. Good work, Matthew. Thanks to all of you who uh, who listen to the program. As always, enjoy the sports tonight. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Be well. Peace.